It's Beer O'Clock, the show for people who love great beer. Brought to you by the Horse Brass Pub, the heart of Beervana for more than 38 years. I'm Lisa Morrison, the beer goddess, and I'm your loyal barkeep in our virtual pub. You know, we've got a great show lined up today, and I've saved you a seat right here next to me at the bar. So grab yourself a tasty libation and get ready to talk beer for the next hour. Here's what's on tap. Barley Wine, and lots of it. It's Lucky Lab's 18th annual Big Beer and Barley Wine Festival. It's just around the corner. I personally cannot believe that this event is in its 18th year. Um, organizer Ben Florschinger, who is also the brewmaster at Lucky Lab, will be here in just a bit to tell us how all those beers are selected each year and what sort of goodies we should be on the lookout for at this year's fest. Brewers and beer lovers alike might be familiar with the name Randy Mosier, but if you aren't, don't worry, you will be. Randy Mosier is one of the foremost beer authors, having written such respected references as Radical Brewing, Tasting Beer, The Brewer's Companion, and more. Well, he's been busy, and he's got two books coming out this year. The first was just released earlier this month. It's called Mastering Homebrew, The Complete Guide to Brewing Delicious Beer. And the other one is coming out in April, and it's a collaborative effort with Stone Brewing's Greg Cook called Beer for All Seasons, a through-the-year guide to what to drink and when to drink it. Randy Mosier joins us in the second half of the show to tell us about both books and hopefully a little bit more. Our Beer of the Week is a highly anticipated release from Oakshire Brewing. It's Hellshire 5, and it will be released at the second annual Hellshire Day and Barrel Age Beer Festival in Eugene. That's coming up pretty quick, and brewmaster Matt Van Wyck joins us in our last call segment to bring us details on both the beer, the day, and the festival. But right now, let's get this party started with some great bottled brews to be on the lookout for. Belmont Station's chief bottle opener is here with more. Hello, Carl Singmaster. Good afternoon, beer goddess. So I got to say, uh, this is a little, a little, um, a little, a little sad, a little bittersweet. Um, we are closing our doors here at our virtual pub um, after this particular show, and um, it's been a good six-plus year run. And uh, you've been there the entire uh, time, you and Belmont Station, Carl. And uh, I just want to say I really appreciate all that you have done, not just for Belmont Station and not just for Beer Clock Radio, but also for craft beer in and around Portland and beyond. So oh, thank you. Yeah, thank you for uh, six marvelous years of uh, outstanding radio and support of craft beer. Well, thank you. It's been a blast. It's been a lot of fun. Um, but I have to admit, I'm looking forward to having a little bit of free time to do some other things, and I hear some great things will be happening in this spot um, here on this radio station, so just stay tuned for that. But right now, let's talk a little bit about some um, some beers that you found for us this time around. All righty. <laughs> As you know, the Commons beers are anything but common. This is very true. Yes, and even as I say that, what I maybe admire most about the Commons creations is they're more often subtle and nuanced than brash and extreme. Very true. You know, I think finesse is a good word. Yes. For the Commons beers. Yes. Now, even while they're seasonal poison, the one we're going to talk about today, is a 10% ABV strong dark Belgian style ale brewed with boysenberries that sounds pretty extreme. Once again, it isn't. (laughs) It's just a dark brown ale with a slightly reddish burnish to it and a lovely pink-tinged tan head. Uh, The boysenberries are very prominent in its aroma, along with a little bit of fresh pumpernickel-like malt. Oh, nice. And the boysen, uh, well, really the flavor begins with its namesake fruit on your (laughs) palate. 
then that slowly fades into maybe a little bit of soft cocoa powder. Oh, nice. As that cocoa dries out the finish, there's still a smidge of boysenberry jam at the back of your mouth. So it's surprisingly soft, shows no alcohol heat, lovely fruit character, um, not extreme and not at all common. <laughs> it's the commons boysen. Yeah, I'm looking forward to trying that one. And as usual, um, they serve that one in a lovely shareable bottle as well. So good stuff from Commons as always. Correct. Yes. What else do you have today for us, Carl? Uh, Which beer ingredient might you expect to be most prominent in a collaborative venture between terminal gravity and good life? I would guess probably hops. (laughs) I think so. The beer... The collaborative beer from those two is called G2, G-T-W-O. Uh-huh, yeah. I suppose that's because terminal gravity is generally referred to as TG, and, well, good life starts with a G. That may be why. A couple of Gs in there. G2, yeah. One of them, uh, one of them really, TG, could be considered an OG, <laughs> but, but good life couldn't. Yes, yeah, right. been around for a long time. That's very true. <laughs> anyway, G2 is an imperial red ale. It shows a clear, dark crimson. And is expectedly hop forward, dank herbal scents sprinkled with uh, floral spicy hop dust. Pretty pretty spicy and sharp. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a little bit of sweet malt here, but it's not nearly as caramely as the color suggests. Yeah, and that's because there's a strident bitterness and resiny hop hoppiness that grips your mouth really quickly, and it just doesn't relinquish until the dry and once again hoppy conclusion. Even then, it kind of finishes peppery sharp. Mm-hmm. So certainly an aggressively hoppy beer for people who really, really, really like hops. Probably too assertive for some. Probably uh, you know, absolutely a must for others. <laughs> exactly. For those people that often think of, of reds as being something a little more on the malty side, this isn't one of those, right? It is nowhere <laughs> near. <laughs> Don't be thinking those thoughts. <laughs> TG, right. TGGL, T- Terminal Gravity Good Life G2, Imperial Red Ale. Sounds like it's enough to make you say, oh, gee. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, got one, you got another one for us, Carl? Uh, Anchor Brewing Zymaster Series. Oh, and yeah. Yes, and they're in their seventh iteration. Mm-hmm. This one's called uh, the Potrero Hill Sour Mash IPA. Yes. And I guess that's named for the neighborhood where Anchor uh, has resided since the 70s. And it's also a nod to this distillery that Anchor runs, and that's called Old Petrero. And, you know, for most of us, Anchor was probably the first craft brewery we were ever aware of. Yes, indeed. And I think it was also one of the first craft distillers in the country. I think you're right, too, yeah. So anyway, Sour Definitely Mash pioneers. IPA. Mm. Yeah, yeah, what's up yeah. with that? Now, so, you know, sour, <laughs> sour mashing is commonly used in uh, whiskey making. Right. And, and sometimes in beer, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, but their choice of that term that most lay people don't really understand almost required them to place a big neck tag on the bottle to inform <laughs> consumers they shouldn't expect a sour beer. Which which they wound up doing, right? <laughs> <laughs> because, well, yeah, yes, because now, now, I mean, now a sour IPA, there are sour IPAs. Right. And they're sour, mm-hmm. not sour mash. But, right. And then they kind of confuse the issue of sour mash in their description it doesn't really describe what it is, but I don't want to get too geeky. Anybody can look up Sour Mash to understand what it is online. We'll just say that they start with a 100% rye malt mash that they use for their old Petrero rye whiskey. Then they blend that with their regular mash, presumably the one they use for their standard IPA. Ah, uh, okay. So, 
So it's not sour. <laughs> um, no, but it, it, it well, and it could be sour mash if if that mash is yes, it uh, still has yeast in it. Anyway, we were, I said we weren't going to get geeky. <laughs> okay. Uh, anyway, <laughs> the results are clear amber IPA with a nose of uh, slightly sweetened grapefruit and some tangerines and a little earthy herbiness, herbalness. Mm-hmm. Uh, the flavor's got a spicy bite from that rye malt. That spicy bite holds throughout, even as a little bit of crackery malt shows. Then the sour mash IPA finishes with a little more grapefruit and the lingering rye malt spiciness we referenced already. Mm-hmm. So, <clears throat> it's an IPA more for lovers of rye beers than diehard hopheads. Mm, yeah. And, uh, Certainly one I'd be happy to have any day, mm-hmm. however sour the mash may or may not be. <laughs> so once again, the the full name on this one, because it is quite a mouthful too, right? Yeah, especially if we go right from the top, Anchor Brewing Zymaster Series, number seven, Potrero Hill Sour Mash IPA. Whew, okay. Really neat bottle. Yes, and don't think that it's sour because it's not. It's more of a straight-up IPA with a lot of rye kind of flavors in it. Yes, but you can't get all that on a label. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Carl, I I just can't imagine not doing this with you every week, but uh, I'm looking forward to seeing you in other ways. And um, as always, thank you so much for everything you do. It's been a real pleasure. And you've given me the opportunity to taste, I think, just shy of 2,000 beers just to uh, specifically focus on beer o'clock. And I thank you so much for uh, sticking with me for over six years. <laughs> we muddled through it together, that's for sure. Thank you so much, Carl. Yeah. And we'll have more Beer Clock right after this on the Radio Northwest Network. Hi, folks. Chris Nettinger here, owner and brewmaster at Hopworks Urban Brewery. When you pick up a bottle of Hopworks beer or visit one of our brew pubs, you can rest assured that we've made every effort to give you an environmentally thoughtful alternative. Come on into Hopworks Urban Brewery on Southeast Powell and the new Hopworks Bike Bar on North Williams and explore a menu filled with organic vegetables and hormone-free meats. And, of course, our world-class organic beer. Our amazing food, service, and beer are some of the best you'll find anywhere. So relax, enjoy, and raise a pint to living with purpose at Hopworks Urban Brewery. Did you know that Lompoc Beer has been brewing great local beer for more than 15 years? Hi, I'm Lompoc head brewer Brian Kilty. Whether you're enjoying a C-note on the outdoor patio at the Hedge House, a Lompoc special draft, and a bowl of our award-winning chowder at the Lompoc Tavern, or a new seasonal at any of our convenient locations, you can drink in the knowledge that each pint of Lompoc beer is made locally and served at its peak. So come on down to one of our Lompoc locations and bring your friends and family and find out for yourself why we always say Lompoc beer means local beer. In Viking mythology, there was a god named Loki, the bad boy of the spirit world, brewing up havoc wherever he went. In Oregon, we have our own Loki, Fearless Brewing Company's Loki Red Ale, made from the magical waters of the Clackamas River. Named one of the top 10 beers in Portland by Willamette Week in their 2013 beer guide, Loki Red promises rich complexity with just the right amount of bitterness. Fearless Loki Red Ale in 16-ounce cans at all of your better retail locations. Fearless, the beer that made Estacada famous. o'clock, the hoppiest happy hour of the week, brought to you by the Horse Brass Pub, the heart of Birvana for 38 years. 
I'm Lisa Morrison, and I'm tending bar in our virtual pub. You know, you can join us for a pint any time of the day or night on our podcast. You can find those on iTunes and SoundCloud or on KXL.com. And there's also a phone up, a phone app or two for that, so you can join our virtual pub anytime, anywhere. Well, believe it or not, the 18th annual Lucky Lab Big Beer and Barley Wine Festival is just around the corner, and organizer brewmaster Ben Flershinger joins us with details on the festival and a whole lot more. Hey, Ben, thanks for being with us. Hey, thanks for having me. It's great to be here. So I cannot believe it's been 18 years since that, that since that started in uh, in it was started yeah. in the in the um, the Hawthorne Lucky Lab in that little side room. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, before that, the original one uh, was actually on the bar. We just had a few jockey boxes on the end of the bar. I that might was, have missed I that think, one then because I don't. I, I remember think that was six beers. I think that was the first year, and then wow. it, it grew into the uh, side room, and then it got to be 15 jockey boxes stacked on top of each other. So we. Moved it over to Quimby, where we've got a lot more room. Yeah, yeah, definitely. A easier for everybody. Yeah, <laughs> no kidding. For setup and for space and everything. How long has it been oh, yeah. over at Quimby now, just thereabouts? I believe eight years this year. Okay, that's pretty amazing. Yeah. And then, yeah. you know, you uh, you actually are, are kind of the curator and uh, organizer and uh, probably janitor and all that other stuff of this. But, um, I, <laughs> but yeah, you, there are many hats for it. Yeah, definitely. How long have you been kind of in charge of it, I guess, is the best way to put it? Um, probably eight years, nine years. I think uh, Dave and I worked on the last one at Hawthorne together, Dave Fleming. And mm-hmm. then uh, when it moved over here, I kind of took it over. Got it. Got it. And what do you yeah. do? I mean, this is something you kind of, it's not like you're just going to go, okay, I'm just going to have a barley wine festival. And you pick up a bunch of barley wines. These are, <laughs> no. these are beers that are curated and lovingly stored and um, checked every single year. Tell me how, yeah. how this all works. Well, barley wines, you know, because they're such big beers and uh, there's no like, Official barley wine season, so the breweries release them, you know, after they've aged them to where they think they're ready to serve. And so, just kind of throughout the year, whenever something good pops up, we try and snatch up a keg of it. And uh, we've got a separate cooler now just for barley wines here. Wow! Um, so we store them throughout the year, and then um, about a month or so before the fest, I'll go through and taste as many as I can and uh, <laughs> see, yeah, see what what can make it another year, maybe, and then what what could be served this year and. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. So it's yeah, there's a lot that goes into it. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, you know, you do enlist the help of a few other friends sometimes. I know that oh, yeah. I popped in there a few times <laughs> to help you out too with that, which is a tough job, I got to tell you. Tasting all those barley yeah, wines, yeah, yeah. And yeah, I mean, you kind of keep notes on these things and think, okay, well, this one's good, but it might be a little bit better next year or stuff, stuff like that too, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And there's some stuff that you know, after five or six years, it's just it doesn't make it, and some stuff that after five or six years just gets more and more fantastic. So yeah, yeah, there's it's a bit of a crapshoot, but it's well <laughs> worth it. Well, tell us about some of the breweries and beers that um, this was their year. This is the time that you said, okay, these are the ones. Which ones are those that we should be on the lookout for for this festival? Um, I'm going to say Old Market Pub. Oh yeah. Um, that one, it was you know, it was good to start with, and it's just gotten fantastic now. I believe. Yeah. Um, yeah. That one just it really, yeah, it's it's really good, and um, I feel the same way about the Terminal Gravity Bucolic. We have some of that from 2009. Wow. And that's yeah, that's really it's really coming into its own there. That's a good one. And then you know we've got the uh, Sierra Nevada Bigfoots, which are always good, mm-hmm. or the Big Feet. <laughs> right. What is that um, exactly? <laughs> Yeah, and then, uh, you know, 
Um, I think one of the favorites last year was the our barrel-aged son of old yeller that we did at the Lucky Lab. Right. And um, I told everybody that's all there was, but I saved another keg. So we'll have it again this year. Oh, yeah, big tea. See how you are? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's good stuff, though, yeah. definitely. Yeah. Fun. So um, before we get a little bit further, we probably ought to talk about um, when this is happening, where it's happening, all that good stuff. Yeah, it's at the Lucky Lab Beer Hall. That's on 1945 Northwest Quimby. Um, it's going to be Friday and Saturday, March 6th and 7th, uh, from noon to 10 both days. Okay. It's uh, $15 to you uh, a tasting glass and four tickets. And people are welcome to bring in glasses from last year and tickets from last year if they'd like to, too. But you do need a glass to taste. Got it. Got it. Yeah. And um, is it kid-friendly, 21 and over only? Um, the whole pub is kid-friendly, kid yeah. Okay, so you can bring the kids, go get your yep. beers, hang out. I know you've got food and good pizza oh, yeah. and stuff like that for the kids, so that's always good as well. Now, um, yeah. tell me what it, uh, like how many beers are you planning on, uh, on having um, for this festival? Well, I think at last count, I'm around 60 beers that we have in the cooler, mm-hmm. and we'll probably serve around 20 to 25 at a time. Okay. And uh, what we like to do is just kind of keep the lineup changing, you know, from day to day and even from hour to hour, just kind of to keep keep everything, uh, you know, spiced up and yeah. uh, have a lot of variety there. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So when something blows, something else goes on in its place. Oh, yes, absolutely. Yeah, because a lot of these there's, things, there's, there's only like one keg of these, a lot of these anyway, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. So once it's gone, it's gone. It's gone, it's gone. yeah. <laughs> so you got to make yeah. sure that you enjoy it for sure. And um, when you're, when you're, um, I'm just kind of curious when you're, when you're putting these together um, and you you're going through these beers, um, what what's in your head when you're thinking? Okay, you know this is one I should probably save, or maybe this is a good one that I need to put on now. Um, you know what, what's kind of your criteria and your thought process for all that. Well, it's, I mean, it's all about taste, really, right? Right. Um, uh, it's, you know, there's some beers that you can just kind of tell that there's still, that, that the hop is still a little too much hop bite on it, maybe, or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the sweetness isn't balancing with the bitterness, and so you, you kind of want to sit on those for a little bit. And, um, you know, these beers are all above 8%, so they'll, they'll age for, for quite a while very well. So, yeah, just try to do that, and, um, you know, if something's great, you know, obviously we want to put it on and share it. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, that's going to be hard sometimes, though, when you're like, okay, it's really, really, really good. Can it get any better? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's there's that's a fine line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. It, yeah, usually it does get better, but yeah, sometimes it doesn't work, and that's that's pretty sad too. Yeah, definitely. We hate it when you have to when you have to kind of pour one out, I guess. But hopefully that doesn't happen too often. No, no, not at all. <laughs> Very good. Well, one more time, really quickly, tell us when this is happening. Uh, yeah, it's Friday and Saturday, uh, March. 6th and 7th, uh, noon to 10 o'clock, uh, both days. Um, and it's at uh, 19, 1945 Northwest Quimby. All right, at the Lucky Lab Beer Hall. It's the 18th annual Big Beer and Barley Wine Festival. Looking forward to it. And as always, thanks so much for uh, coming in and telling us all about it, Ben. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. All right. And coming up, beer author Randy Mosher brings us news on two new books he's releasing. That and a whole lot more coming up on Beer O'Clock on the Radio Northwest Network. Thirteen hundred beers. That got your attention, eh? Well, that's how many different beers are available daily at Belmont Station. Not to mention 150 ciders and 75 meats. 
And with all the seasonals and limited editions, that huge selection changes weekly. Yet as impressive as those numbers are, it's quality, not quantity, that sets Belmont Station apart. We carefully rotate and store every bottle that comes our way, so you know you're getting the best that's available. Plus, our knowledgeable and passionate team members love helping you find something special. Whether you're looking for beers from a particular country, choosing gifts, or just finding out what's new and exciting. 1,300 beers. Yeah, that's impressive. But at Belmont Station, there's one number that really does matter to us. 17 years. That's how long Belmont Station has been Portland's source for better beer, cider, and mead. Visit Belmont Station. Have a pint in our cozy beer cafe. Sip your way into our shop and pick out bottles, cans, and growlers to go. Belmont Station, 45th and Stark in Southeast Portland. Clock, the show for people who love great beer, brought to you by the Horse Brass Pub, the heart of Beervana for 38 years. I'm Lisa Morrison, the beer goddess. You know, thanks to the Radio Northwest Network, we are heard all across the Pacific Northwest on our mothership, FM News 101 KXL in Portland, and KTIL 1590 AM in Tillamook, KPNW 1120 AM in Eugene and Springfield, KLOO 1340 AM in Corvallis, Albany and Lebanon, and KYRS, 92.3 and 88.1 FM in Spokane. Well, I'm very excited to have our next guest on the show. Randy Mosier is a veteran and award-winning brewer, longtime beer writer for many publications, and author of several beer and brewing books, such as Radical Brewing. He also is a well-known and engaging lecturer on the subject. Randy just released one new book earlier this month and will be releasing a second book in April. And Randy, as an author myself, I have to say, I am very impressed. Two books in one year. How did you do that? (laughs) Uh, Well, it wasn't supposed to happen that way. Oh, okay. (laughs) You know how that goes. Uh, Yeah, we just uh, fell behind for various reasons on the homebrew book. And uh, then, you know, the stars sort of aligned and they came there end up coming out within a little more than a month of each other. So. Yeah. Well, hey, you know, it makes it just look, it looks like you're just uh, writing fiends. So I would have just run with it if I were you. Thanks for being with us today. I, I really appreciate it. Yeah, no, great. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, so um, with these two books, you definitely have, um, you know, um, kind of two different audiences with kind of a, a shared audience in the middle. It's kind of like those sets that we learned in elementary school. But um, although there is this shared group, um, I know that the the home brewers out there and the brewers out there definitely want to hear about the book that just came out, which is the one called Mastering Homebrew, The Complete Guide to Brewing Delicious Beer. So uh, tell us a little bit about um, about that book, for starters, um, and what was your goal for that book exactly? Well, I was, um, I was asked by the publisher to write a kind of a full, kind of an all-purpose homebrewing book. And, uh, you know, with a lot of the great books that are out there, Right now, you know, Ray Daniels' book, Mm -hmm. especially John Palmer's book, which I helped to edit. You know, I was trying to find, to figure out a way to do another one (laughs) that wasn't trying to do that. You know, you don't want me trying to be John Palmer. It wouldn't work. (laughs) (laughs) But so, you know, I mean, and for me, the the thing about brewing has always been about flavor Mm -hmm. and about um, really understanding that recipe process and owning the recipe process and not just relying on other people's recipes, 
Uh-huh. So those are great, and they're great to learn from and, and even great to brew from. But uh, I think most people are in the hobby because they have something to say, and they want to express themselves in some way. And I think you do that a little bit more fully uh, if you can formulate your own recipes. So mm-hmm. I yeah. started there. And, and, of course, I've had a career as a graphic designer and, and creative person my whole life. And I think people... They tend, they spend a lot of time and energy thinking about engineering and numbers and all of that, mm-hmm. which is great. You have mm-hmm. to have that. Mm-hmm. But I think people tend to not think too deeply about art. They kind of think, oh, well, art is just playtime, where there are real structure and rules and ways of approaching art mm-hmm. that if you, if you look at those, you can uh, have a little more control over your and product and not be so bewildered by the many choices that you have to deal with. Mm-hmm, so right. we're trying to do that, basically. And and when you start trying to give people control of the recipe process, that's the flavor process. And so the biggest chapter in the book is about ingredients. Okay. And so, and so so when you say that, I mean, it's to me it sounds like it's for people who maybe aren't familiar with that, um, what you're talking about, it's a lot like... Um, like like cooking, taking a recipe and, you know, maybe you make it the first time just at, exactly as is, but then you start kind of saying, well, you know, I'd actually really like it better if it had a little bit of this in it, or maybe I'll throw a little bit more of that in it, or, you know, that sort of thing, right? Exactly. Well, yeah. I've got, you know, we've got a couple hundred cookbooks here, yeah, and I can't think when I've actually ever made a recipe exactly as it shows up in one right, of the books. Right, right. Well, I always I, think of them as jumping off points. Right, exactly. Yeah. And, you know, the one of the things that I do in addition to providing recipes, there's some recipes that have a lot of variability built into them. Mm-hmm. That if you want it this way, you can do this. Even the starter recipe, the very beginning, beginner recipe, which usually people say, well, you little baby homebrewer, you should just brew a <laughs> pale ale, you know, right. because it's simple and you're simple. And, and so this, this recipe I call the amazing shape-shifting recipe. And so you can... Start with bulk malt extract, do, go through a certain process, then you choose your specialty grains, then you go through the, the, the boiling process or, or the steeping process, and then you have to choose your hops. Mm-hmm. And depending upon which, what choices, and then, of course, you get to fermentation, you choose your yeast. So depending upon a few simple choices, you can end up with 100 different beers. Yeah, no kidding. And that starts people off, like, comfortable with that process. Right. Because, it, you know, I, the people do tend to be intimidated by various aspects of the of the hobby, and I think recipes are one. So they kind of, it's like, oh, I can't make a can't bake a cake without a recipe, and that and that's quite correct because the <laughs> ratios are very important. Right, they, right. They are in brewing, but not in the same way. Right. Yeah. Well, it's true, and you know, it, it's um, it gives you, I, I what I felt like the book does is it gives you that um, that almost like training meals. It gives you a little bit of that support to let you have some fun. Um, and and gives you that um, almost a um, uh, just gives gives the new brewer an okay to go ahead and right. and, and start playing. Just a little backup, a little yeah, light exactly. to, uh, to be creative in, <laughs> in certain ways. Right here's this. Don't go beyond there. Do this. Do this. But here's the, here's your playpen area. You know, right? And you can have a lot of fun in that. And that's like ninety percent of the world's classic great beers fall into that kind of middle zone. Right. You know, of four to six percent alcohol, and you know and not really trying anything crazy. Now, of course, people like to try crazy stuff. This is America in the <laughs> century, 
you know. So. Well, that's what that's what your other book, Radical Brewing, is about. <laughs> right. Well, you know, it's funny that book is hardly radical at all anymore. <laughs> you know, right? <laughs> See what you've right? done. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, ha, ha, ha. Exactly. We're ruining the rest of the world too. I, I know it's pretty awesome. Let's uh, let's shift gears and talk about the book that's getting ready to come out, the one that's going to be out in April that you did with Greg Cook, and that one is called um, a, a Beer for All Seasons: A Through the Year Guide to What to Drink and When to Drink It. This one excites me because I am very much a seasonal beer drinker, just as I am a seasonal food eater. So um, I'm, I'm anxious to see what this one's all about. Can you tell us a little bit about it? Yeah, sure. Well, first of all, Greg wrote the foreword, but that was really the extent of his involvement in it. Oh, okay. So, so you know, again, that was based on another request from the publisher, and I and I always had thought of myself kind of as a seasonal drinker, and it was fun to kind of go through the cycle of a year as I was working on this book really thinking about what that meant. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, you know, and of course, the book meanders along. It's it's really beautiful. They, they This is from the same publisher as Tasting Beer. Mm-hmm. And they really did a nice job and invested a, a lot of money in nice artwork. And It's always and so nice. It's very fun. And there's lots of there's lots of fun lists and things. I mean, there's even a little bit of homebrew in there. There's some uh, uh, ideas for wedding brews. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and then there's uh, like things like uh, what beers to pour for the garden party when they come over to your house. Oh, very and nice. So there's a lot of things that sort of outreach to try and bring new people in. You know, the Father's Day one is, like, my father's not a beer guy at all, not really much of a drinker. But I started, I was thinking about him. It's like, for a father who kind of is curious about what his son and daughter yeah, is into, right. <laughs> here's the list. Right. Hey, here's some things you can present him that won't, like, you're not going to give him Dark Lord. You're not going to waste it on him anyway. But, right, exactly. Um, uh, you know, so, so and and just a lot of things like that. Beers to celebrate New Year's and some sort of unexpected winter beers, and uh, you know, a lot of things that. Um, so the book just sort of rotates through the seasons, and then the final chapter is uh, a big around the world meander, trying to hit all the the uh, uh, brewing festivals and homebrew conferences and and all that kind of stuff all over the world. So. Um, you got to go back and forth to Europe two or three times. It'd be totally crazy to try and actually do it. But, um, you know, it's kind of fun to be an armchair traveler. I'd like to try. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, and I and I love armchair traveling, too, so that sounds like a lot of fun. It sounds like a great book. And, and uh, can you tell people where, obviously, this one's not going to be coming out until about April 7th or so, although I'm assuming there's pre-order going on? I think the, I mean, the last time I saw the date, it was in March. Oh, okay. So I think really just like another two, three weeks and, and wow. it should be out. I, be- I believe it ought to be on pre-Amazon. I know it's on Amazon. I, I assume they're uh, taking orders at this point because okay. they usually do within about a month or, yeah. or more. So Very so exciting. It's up and out. And it's kind of a fun little book. It's not super serious, but there's there's information in there most people won't know. Um, you know, I, tried to, I always try and dig deep and find some new stuff for people. Uh, at you know, no matter what their level. Yeah. Um, well, but it's more of a kind of a fun little impulse purchase kind of nifty type of book. Sounds like fun. Randy Mosher, thank you so much for being with us. My pleasure, Lisa, anytime. And we'll have more Beer Clock right after this on the Radio Northwest Network. There aren't too many pubs that are true legends, but the Horse Brass Pub in the Beer Cultural Center of Portland is one of those places. You know, the Horse Brass Pub has been at the forefront of the good beer movement for more than 37 years. Even before there were really craft brewers in Oregon, the Horse Brass was already tapped into the newest imports and combing the globe for great beer. That pioneering spirit is still going strong at the Brass. Consistently listed among the top tap houses in the world, the Horse Brass is a beer mecca. 
but still has the heart of a neighborhood pub. Find out for yourself. With more than 50 beers on tap and even more in the bottle, a great food menu, knowledgeable servers, and old-world charm, it's easy to see why people from near and far come to this legendary place to drink in everything that the Horsebrass Pub has to offer. It's not every day you run into a true legend, but you can anytime you want at the Horsebrass Pub at 4534 Southeast Belmont Street, right in the heart of Beervana. It's Beer O'Clock, the show for people who love great beer. Brought to you by the Horse Brass Pub, the heart of Beervana for 38 years. I'm Lisa Morrison, the beer goddess, and I'm your loyal barkeep here in our virtual pub. You know, we have been meeting here for six years now, and while we are closing our doors in our virtual pub for good after this show, I still want to make sure that we give our loyal sponsors a big shout-out. Lompoc Beer, Hopworks Urban Brewery, F.H. Steinbart's Homebrew Supply, Belmont Station Bottle Shop and Beer Cafe, and the Horse Brass Pub. Many of these guys have been with us for all six years, so please give these folks your business and thank them for giving craft beer a voice. It's last call, and that means it's time for our beer of the week. Oakshire's brewmaster Matt Van Wyk is here. And usually, Matt, our beer of the week is one that is already out and in the market. But this one's not quite there yet, you big tease. You've got Hellshire 5. And uh, I remember having you on the show, I believe, to talk about the very first Hellshire. Yeah, we've done this five years now, and we're pleased to tell you about the fifth installment. Yeah, well, I'm looking forward to hearing about it. So uh, let's uh, let's get started. What is this beer all about? Well, uh, we've been doing this for five years where we, where we release a uh, spirits barrel-aged beer of some sort, and mm-hmm. it changes every year. Yeah. And uh, this year we've got a big foreign-style stout that is aged in Knob Creek bourbon barrels, mm. um, and we're going to release it on March 14th at a big barrel-aged beer fest. We're calling it Hellshire Day, and uh, we'll have a lot of guest beers pouring, and we'll release this in 22-ounce wax-dipped bottles. Yeah. And this is pretty limited, too, right? Yeah, we only have, you know, sometimes we have five bourbon barrels, six bourbon barrels, seven. It just depends what we have and what we want to blend together. Mm -hmm. And so um, this year we have a couple hundred cases that we'll be able to sell. Um, We just don't have a lot of space like a lot of breweries, and we do as much as we can. And so um, it'll, it'll be pretty limited release. Yeah. Hellshire Day indeed, because it sounds like this might be the only day it might be available, right? Yeah, we're certainly going to try get some to other parts of our our distribution areas, but um, we started this uh, barrel-aged beer fest along with the Hellshire release last year, so this Mm -hmm. will be the second time we've done it, and we had great success. Um, We've got beers coming from about um, 12 to 15 different states. Um, Wow. We're talking beers like Surly, Sun King, um, Stone, Fifty fifty in California, and then we've got a lot of local great beers too: Hair of the Dog, um, Breakside, Ecliptic, um, all over the country. We've even got um, a special cigar city keg, um, which is called Hunapu. Some people will know about that because <laughs> yeah. they line up for miles to get it. Ah, uh, yeah. That's yeah. our only non-barrel aged beer at the fest, but they fortunately sent us a keg, and we'll be releasing it on that day. Far be it from you to say no to that, even though it is a barrel-aged beer festival, correct? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we made an exception for them. Um, we actually are we shipped a keg of Hellshire 5 to Florida, so it will be released on Hunapu Day, which is also March 14th. Oh, so 
you can go to Florida and try Hellshire 5 before anyone else. <laughs> Very fun. So um, let's talk a little bit about um, the process of, uh, of creating Hellshire. Is this a blended beer? Or did you uh, actually specifically set out just like make this beer and put it in a barrel or how did that work out? Yeah, most of our beers that we put out in the Hellshire series are a blend of some sort because mm-hmm. we've got many different beers aging in many different bourbon barrels. And mm-hmm. so we, we test them from time to time to see where they're at. It's a really tough job. <laughs> um, and then we'll just come up with a fun blend that works um, based on the, the number of barrels we have and the types of beer in them. Um, this one is mostly a, um, uh, like I said, an export stout, strong stout. It's 8.3% mm. after the barrel aging. Mm-hmm. Um, but we've put a few other things in there, and we grab a couple other different barrels because we want to make something that's better than the parts that made it up, and we think we've got that this year. Yeah, sounds great. And really quickly, I remember one time you told me the story about the the actual name Hellshire and why you decided to go that route. Right. When we decided this, we thought we wanted something. It's branded by um, a local artist. He was local to Eugene. He now lives in Portland. His name's Sean Auberg, and he does some great, you know, cartoonish uh looking devilish hellish sort of sort of uh art mm-hmm. and we wanted to feature him and we wanted something that was branded way different than the rest of the oakshire brand and the hellshire is just kind of a, um, a, a amalgamation of hell and oakshire and that's why we called it that and this year we have something special too sean decided to do two labels for this beer um so like every good comic book fan who likes to collect all uh different covers in the series series we have two different labels um, for Hellshire. So you can collect them both. Excellent. It's Hellshire 5 and the Hellshire Day and the Barrel Age Beer Festival coming up on March 14th in Eugene. Oakshire Brewmaster Matt Van Wyck, thanks so much for joining us and bringing us Hellshire 5, our beer of the week. Well, it's closing time and the doors of our virtual pub are closing for the last time today. It's been six years and a whole lot of fun, but don't forget you can always talk beer with me anytime at real.beergoddess at gmail.com and Like I have at the end of each show, I want to leave you with a final thought. This one from the beer hunter, Michael Jackson. Beer may cause you to digress and lead a happier life. I'm Lisa Morrison reminding you that life is short, so drink the good stuff first. Be awesome, laugh often, and as always, cheers, everybody. 